All right, even as the early stages, Dennis, of Health and Naturally calls banking up, so I'll make this nice and quick. Hello. Hello, Mark. How are you? <laughs> Great to be with you. <laughs> now, uh, Dennis, for, for folks that were joining us last week, you didn't quite get around to the benefits of pineapple, and I yeah, really wanted to yeah. hear that. Uh, you will, however, have a, a story that you'll um, a listener from a couple of weeks ago will be excited to hear. Um, you went looking for a herb that played a crucial role in the Vietnam War, of all mm-hmm. places, and uh, you reckon there might be a bit of a tie-in here to uh, malaria. Very interesting story, but a true story. And uh, in response to a listener's question, we've got a very good answer, and listeners will be fascinated about the herb we're going to talk about. I'm fascinated already, Dennis. Don't you go anywhere. We'll squeeze that in for Health Naturally today. G'day, Tony from Cessnock. There's a a question from you, mate, about uh, enlarged prostate. What's happening there, Tony? (laughs) Yeah, good afternoon, gentlemen. Yeah, I have an enlarged prostate and, um, you know, the old stream's not as good as it should be of a morning. Um, I was wondering if there's something there that I could uh, take to help you with that. Okay, Tony, look, um, there is... Uh, something available in in, in herbal medicine that may be of help. But let me just emphasise that um, with enlargement of the prostate gland, the first thing to do, of course, is through your GP, make sure that you're just dealing with what's called benign prostatic enlargement and that there is nothing else uh, behind it. I say this because very frequently uh, enlarged prostate conditions uh, can be confused by the layperson with, with cancer and the two are quite separate under normal conditions. But if it is enlarged and it has been defined as uh, being enlarged, well then, from a herbal medicine perspective, the two herbs that keep surfacing, both in products and in the literature and in in the uh, traditional practice of herbal medicine, uh, first of all, you'll find the leader of the pack, if you like, is the herb that I've mentioned very frequently here, and that is the American herb, known as SAW, S-A-W, palmito, or palmito, P-A-L-M-E-T-T-O. Now, that is a palm. Um, It's frequently seen in botanic gardens, um, readily grown. I have one growing on my property in the Hunter Valley, and it produces a a seed or a fruit, if you want to call it that, and that fruit contains some particular active principles, which I'll not elaborate on, but the end result of using... Uh, what we might call a standardised preparation of saw palmito, and by standardised I mean a preparation that has a guaranteed level of the active principle and is manufactured according to modern manufacturing techniques as most of our products in the marketplace, both at the retail level and at the practitioner level, are made these days that way. So saw palmito, it is referred to by the great German um, herbalist and doctor, Dr. Rudolf Weiss. Now, I mention that writer frequently, and on this topic, he's very good. Uh, you can purchase his textbook, which is a, a bit technical, but for practitioners, I consider it mandatory, and I've lectured from it for probably 25 to 30 years of my life. In that section dealing with the prostate gland, he refers to saw palmito as being, and I quote, a natural catheter. Now, what does he mean by that? It means the result of using saw palmito ongoingly is that there is an improvement in stream characteristics. In other words, there is better voiding, uh, less dribbling, um, and that uh, is an indication that the herb is working for you. I'll be quick to point out. I'll be quick to point out that there's not a lot 
in the literature suggesting that saw palmetto actually lessens enlargement. I personally don't think it does, but it may, in fact, lessen the rapidity of enlargement happening, but certainly it is the most popular herb used in the Western world um, and made famous by Dr. Weiss in his literature uh, to uh, prescribe first up for the, for the remedy. The second thing is a remedy of recent times, which is becoming more uh, popularly used, is a preparation of an extract of stinging nettle root. Now, with stinging nettle, the above-ground parts are popularly used to manage skin conditions, um, but the root contains principles again, which work similarly to saw palmito, and a preparation embodying both those herbs, in my opinion, represents good traditional and modern herbal medicine, addressing a very, very common problem. And if it's going to work, the emergence of it, of, of benefit, over a month or so should indicate if it's for you or not. But let, you. let me emphasize to start with, uh, with a prostate condition, you need to make sure that you are in front of the ball, that your doctor is, is aware of what you're doing and you have periodic um, assessments of what's happening there. Yeah, I, I, I have had um, both ultrasound and CT scans. Oh, good, good. Um, oh, and that's only just of late. Yes. Uh, and uh, I get them done every 12 months. And like it just said that it was uh, slightly enlarged. Okay. This is the um, time. But, I, but the is problem the being is that I have um, had a uh, quadruple heart bypass yes. some four years ago. So I don't like take, well, I can't take any medicines. Of course. As so, such. So that's why I was looking for something natural. Well, I think, uh, you'll, I think you'll find that both those herbs are very yep. safe. But again, yep. again, it's worthwhile running them past your GP or in particular your pharmacist who can uh, look at them and uh, connect them to yep. any problems that might emerge as a result of the procedure, the surgical procedure that you're going to have. But they're so popularly used that I would mm -hmm. doubt very much whether they would have any interaction capacity. Okay, Tony, best of luck with uh, with some of that there. G'day, Cathy at Spears Point. Um, we've we got to sort of stick to the bathroom here for a little minute and uh, we'll just bear in mind, Dennis and Cathy, a lot of folks may very well be eating their uh, lunch, et cetera, et cetera. Carrie, uh, Cathy, rather, um, what's going on with you there? Well, um, I've had um, diarrhoea since December last year. Mm -hmm. okay. I've had uh, a camera down my throat and up behind. Yes. Um, I've had a lot of tests done yes. and the last time I went to the gastrofiller he said my pancreas is not creating enough enzymes so he put me on Freon yes which I've been on for two weeks now but there's no difference um, but also I've had a major right groin hernia operation yes and I'm waiting to have a right shoulder complete repair yes I'm in a lot of pain. Yes. And my energy levels are, are really low. Yes. Because everything I eat goes straight through me. Right. And I eat a healthy diet. Yes, of course. And um, I'm just wondering if there's some sort of supplement or something I can take. Okay. My, 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 my advice here, of course, is very, very superficial in, to the extent that I really don't know the full nature of your problems, but from a simple perspective in trying to lessen 
the diarrhea or and slow down transit time and precipitate better um, stool characteristics. The first couple of things that I would suggest you do, which in my opinion are quite harmless, the first thing is to start to take a herb called slippery elm. Now, yeah, I've heard of that. Now, yep. slippery elm is used for two purposes. Paradoxically, it can be used to improve transit time, but also it can be used to control transit time by slowing down, if you like, the passage of material through the large bowel. Very safe. We know how it works. It's an agent that incorporates into its own mass a lot of liquid from the gastrointestinal tract, and as a result, tends to create uh, better characteristics. Um, so first thing is perhaps go to your health food store, and I would suggest the best way of doing this would be to use slippery elm in this case, not, not as a, a, a sophisticated preparation like a tablet or a capsule, good as they might be, but use it as a food. Buy the bulk slippery elm and try a teaspoonful of uh, slippery elm for a couple of days uh, to see if that has the effect of slowing it down to some degree. The second thing that we do, and this is purely looking at symptom management, is that we use uh, herbs that are characterised by what's called astringency. Now, astringency mm -hmm. is that these herbs have a tightening effect on, on the, uh, the, the lining of, of the gut, and as a mm -hmm. result, uh, lessen the passage of fluid into the gut, and as a result, have a, a useful uh, mild dehydrating effect. This tends to lessen fluidity, and as a result, hopefully, will lessen the uh, transit time in the gut. Now, I've been fairly simple, superficial, and haven't done justice to a problem that uh, is obviously in the hands of people much more qualified, but the two principles of using slippery elm with its mucilage and using something like bilberry leaf, or uh -huh. if you go to a good health food store, simple blackberry, dried blackberry leaves turned, uh -huh. in, turned into a herbal tea and uh -huh. taken two or three cups a day may in fact help also in, in this condition. I'd give that a go. Uh, it would be worthwhile also, Cathy, uh, mentioning it to your GP I can see nothing there about which he would be concerned, but he's your prime contact therapist. Let him know. Try that and see how you go. I think your lack of energy probably comes from the fact that you might be a bit depressed, a little bit anxious, and as we say, you're over it. Well, try this approach of doing something for the primary problem behind your lack of energy and see how it goes. All the best with that, Cathy. And just again, Dennis, the, the name of the... Your last recommendation there for us, just again. Blackberry leaves. All right, and you said that's a should be able to get that at all. Of yeah, them. look, a, a dried herbal tea of blackberry leaves is usually readily available in good health foods. All of the good health food yep. stores and some of the bad ones as well. <laughs> it's oh, look, there aren't too many bad ones in Newcastle. They've got to spring to their uh, support. <laughs> G'day, Natalie, who's uh, you're either still in Port Macquarie listening or you're visiting from uh, Port Macquarie. Natalie, either way, glad to have you with us. You're looking for some natural suggestions for lupus today. Yeah, for, yeah, for cutaneous lupus. Okay. Um, tell us something about it, Natalie, your history of it and what, um, what level of symptoms you have and what treatment you've had for it. Yeah, hi, Dennis. Thank you. Uh, I, I, I 
started to have symptoms only about five years ago, yes. and it was irritation of the skin, um, which it took a little bit to, um, to actually be diagnosed. Uh, but when they eventually did, um, it yeah, ended up being cutaneous lupus. Um, I have a very, very itchy scalp, very sensitive to sun. Apparently that makes it um, um, flare up. So I tend, I don't go on the sun and I take a, a medication for it, which I need to take when it flares up. Um, but it obviously has its side effects as well. Okay. Look, what I'm going to say now may sound very superficial, but um, my approach to any inflammatory skin condition as far as symptom uh, assertion is concerned is to work uh, with the bioflavonoids. Um, my study of bioflavonoids indicates that for most uh, inflammatory conditions of the skin, bioflavonoids can have a quietening effect. And I use the term quietening effect, perhaps not a resolving effect. So whether I'm uh, managing or helping treat, say, a dermatitis or an eczema or a rosacea, I would recommend the use of a particular bioflavonoid called quercetin, Q-U-E-R-C-E-T-I-N. Now, if you can get hold of the literature by the two American uh, naturopathic doctors, Pizzorno and Murray, read, uh, and you should be able to get those from a library, uh, read those writers on the benefits of quercetin, particularly with reference to the sort of skin condition I'm talking about, which may have some benefit for what you're experiencing. It's a long shot, but bioflavonoids, in my opinion, are an underappreciated way of subduing or helping subdue uh, a lot of the symptomology associated with skin conditions, particularly the redness, the inflammatory characteristics, the itch. I would suggest you try that as a starting base. Sure, sure. And it's, apparently it's related to the... Um that's the medical interpretation and you'd probably be on a medication that has an action against um, autoimmune conditions. Is that correct? You're taking medication yeah. for that? Yeah. Okay. Yes. Look, this is a difficult one for a natural medicine because our approach here in addressing autoimmune conditions is pretty systemic and usually involves... Uh, procedures associated with in improving the gut function and uh, in our profession uh, something like an autoimmune condition would see as having a potential relationship to the health of the gastrointestinal tract so for all autoimmune conditions whether they be things like uh, uh, rheumatoid arthritis or colitis or psoriasis um, I recommend uh, the use of the herb golden seal which is what I consider to be one of the best and proven remedies uh, for improving the overall function of the gastrointestinal tract. Good level of digestive uh, activity stimulated by the herb, uh, a, a, an addressing of what we call a toxic activity within the bowel, and an improvement in the lumen or the lining of the bowel, lessening some of the, uh, the, uh, the passage into the bloodstream of maldigested um, protein molecules. So I would suggest to try on a golden seal and reinforce it uh, symptomatically by some use of the bioflavonoids. The good thing about that is they're very inexpensive, as many natural remedies are, 
and if they're used in accordance with their directions and dosage, I can't see too many problems emerging from them. Okay, Natalie, best of luck with all of that. Dennis, I know you've been wanting to delve into this topic all afternoon, and you will take us to to something for malaria via not just Vietnam, but the Vietnam War. See, we're not going to get political, are we? Uh, Well, I've been there and done that many, many years ago, so we'll not visit it from that perspective. But you were were out there marching on the streets, yeah? I was. Yeah. I was, and I I don't... uh, don't in any way at all um, feel embarrassed about that. I, I'm not. No, I'm not saying that either. I keep saying I need you to bring in a photo. <laughs> we'll stick it up on your yeah, on the website oh, dear, of, dear, of you dear. from those times. Look, they were that was a different era. Uh, Do it. Different appearances. Come on, we'll go. but good values at that stage. Come on, w- wonderful values, and I don't retreat from my. Uh, Perhaps radical counterculture <laughs> days. <laughs> Never mind. Uh, look, well, the, the, this topic that I'm mm. keen to just take up with you really arose as a result of a a, a lady that um, rang in here a couple of weeks ago. You might recollect it. Do um, uh, asking us or asking <laughs> me uh, the name of a herb that uh, was used in the third world or could be used in the third world to address malaria. Um, and I, I knew of the herb, but I said that I would get back to the lady and, and with, with certainty give her the name of it because apparently uh, she was going to do something with that knowledge and passing it on to some uh, some people in that part of the world. Yeah, and this is where the, the, we go all the we go back in time to the Vietnam War. We do. Of, of some s- things that uh, sometimes these things happen by circumstance. You're like, well, yeah. what what is around is no longer around, and then yeah. an alternative jumps in. Well, the fascinating thing here is I, I read a, mag- a paper weekly. It's called the Weekly Times, which with the New South Wales equivalent, the land, I consider to be two of the best newspapers in Australia. Uh, rural newspapers, great reading listeners, get to the rural. <laughs> anyway, in the la- in one of the issues, there was a- an article entitled Dose of Natural Fixes, and it was about a, a-, a Victorian uh, endocrinologist, specialist physician, who lived in um, with his partner in-, in country Victoria, who had set up a herb garden. And um, in the article, it went through some of the, the, the herbs and he explained how the herbs growing in his beautiful herb garden were used and had been used medicinally. And uh, he mentioned the herb um, that was called Sweet Annie, or also known as Chinese wormwood, Artemisia and newer. Now, for the sake of that lady that rang in, it is a member of the wormwood family, the Artemisia family, and um, it is Artemisia annua, A-N-N-U-A, different from the European um, wormwood, which is Artemisium uh, absinthum. Now, he Tell you what, Dennis, it would, I, I'm just going to say this. <laughs> it would make life a lot simpler for the world if all of you people that work in the scientific realm could just come up with one damn name for something. Okay. Well, let's just call it wormwood if you want <laughs> to do that. Anyway, he pointed out... He pointed out that during the Vietnam War, and this is where it comes into it, during the Vietnam War, the Viet Cong, who were excellent um, jungle fighters, uh, were stricken and with malaria left, right and centre and were dying in droves. They had limited access to quinine, which in any case was not working, and uh, they contacted, um, uh, Ho Chi Minh contacted Mazi Tung and said, listen, give us a hand here, get your guys working on an alternative. 
And so the Chinese swung into action and they found that this herb, wormwood, the Chinese species, had a principle in it which was anti-malarial. And they uh, were so successful in developing this plant-based medicine that the uh, Chinese scientist that um, finally uh, developed it to completion was given the Nobel Prize for Science and Medicine. So a herb known as Sweet Annie, known as Wormwood, had a remarkable effect on malaria and is still used in Asian and African countries and it is being used today at a time when conventional anti-malarial drugs based on uh, quinchona, that is quinine, aren't working as well. So that's a great story. The other interesting thing is that many of us here in Newcastle went to go and see the Van Gogh exhibition. And if you went to see the Van Gogh exhibition, you will have noted that everywhere there were splashes of yellow. Now, it's been put forward that uh, Van Gogh's obsession with yellow in his paintings was based on his obsession and addiction to drinking a particular liquor based on wormwood, the particular European species of Artemisia. So I'm not saying right or wrong on that, but isn't it interesting how two species of the wormwood, one with uh, an Asian background with potential great benefit, proven benefit as an alternative drug for malaria, and one, another species, the European species, previously the basis of some alcoholic liquors, may be behind, may be behind some of the genius of that great painter whose paintings we all enjoyed when he came to Newcastle. Isn't that funny? It's always, oh, look, some bloke had a drink and all of a sudden there's a story. Isn't that always? (laughs) It's a fascinating story. And I happen to have seen all that yellow, but now I've got a bit of an understanding that that was probably as a result of uh, his use in his diet, perhaps in an overuse of a liquor that incorporated Artemisia absinthum, which contains absinthe, which is the substance that is problematical if it is taken in great quantities. Dennis, we need to we need to talk about this from last week. Uh, pineapple, fantastic food, great summer favourite, mm. and um, well, let's let's get into some of the benefits of it. Uh, you, we didn't get to get there last week. Floor once again, sir, is yours. Well, the pineapple contains a substance called bromelain. That's the secret to the medicinal benefits of the pineapple. So what we're talking about here is, okay, the occasional use of of pineapple is great, but like so many foods, many foods have what we call in the medicinal properties or characteristics which can lead to that product becoming a medicine uh, used ongoingly to treat various health problems. Bromelin is one of those. Now, for many weeks this year, we've been discussing natural remedies that have some potential to lessen the symptoms associated with inflammatory joint disease, uh, rheumatoid and osteoarthritis. We've mentioned uh, curcumin and we've mentioned willow bark and one or two others. Bromelin fits into that category to start with as a relatively unknown member of an anti-inflammatory group where the bromelin functions in helping to subdue inflammatory phenomena. And that's not just in conditions such as rheumatoid arthritis or osteoarthritis or other things, but any condition, sports injury, 
uh, those sorts of things can benefit from the way in which bromelain has a reducing effect, particularly on the swelling associated with uh, lesions uh, that manifest themselves in arthritic symptomatology or otherwise. So in the 60s and 70s, it was very, very popularly used and written up, particularly in, in some journals. Uh, there are a number of famous American uh, rheumatologists that were using bromelain at that stage, either singularly or to augment drug therapy and to lessen the dosage of some of the mainstream pharmaceuticals were being, that were being used at that stage. So using bromelain is a useful device to treat levels of arthritic symptomatology particularly that are mild or in their early stages. It's not well known, and I wanted to mention it today because so, like so many good medications of a natural origin, they have been pushed to one side, perhaps even in our profession, but certainly I would argue in the mainstream profession, they've lost their significance at a, at a time when they perhaps need to be used more than ever. So bromelain, I put it into the category of this. It can be used with mainstream drugs, and why would it want to be used with mainstream drugs? For two reasons. It has been shown that using it in its therapeutic dose, I pause here, Mark, and say, like so many natural drugs derived from plant-based medicines, many of them fail because dosage is not well understood and the taking of these preparations frequently uh, is underdosed. And so an effect is not emerging. There are standardised dosages for bromelain, which pharmacists particularly and medical herbalists would know, that enable that substance to be used in a sophisticated capsule or tableted form to lessen some levels of inflammation, but in particular, and I want to emphasise this, those aspects that could even be residual or associated with some of the uh, arthritic symptoms that are being managed by drug therapy. It has been shown that using bromelain can lessen a lot of the swelling that can be residual after heavier medication has been withdrawn. So I put it down as a remedy that has a drainage effect on swelling conditions, particularly around joints, that can be harnessed when drug therapy perhaps is being withdrawn, but some symptoms are still being left, particularly the swelling, or which can be used to augment a drug therapy at a time when using bromelain may lead to a lower level of medication. I see it also as something that can be used by qualified herbalists and naturopaths to help a program of management that is suitable for naturopathic treatment. And by that, I mean a level of arthritic activity or inflammatory joint activity, which is appropriate for complementary therapists to, to, to treat. So I think it's an underused, underappreciated substance and I come back to the point, it can be used to accompany mainstream medication or it can be used naturopathically as part of an overall treatment. All right, Dennis, uh, a great uh, couple of things, great pointers there. We've done everything from Van Gogh to Vietnam to the humble pineapple <laughs> Uh, of, uh, of, of Australia. You're winding me up. You're winding me up. Dennis, You're winding me up. 
I'm going to let you go. You give me a couple of minutes oh, early, Mark, dear, here today. You still haven't got me that black shirt. You, you really <laughs> look very impressive there. I'll get, get one for you. <laughs> okay. um, just a reminder, Sally Lucas up in a couple of minutes. Dennis, talking travel today. Sally will be heading to uh, Paris and a lot of the Italy mm. by train. How about that? I'm there. I'm there. I know you Take me to Europe any time. All right. My, well, my herbalism is steeped. In European tradition. Wormwood is a great European herb. If it is used wisely and safely, (laughs) we might even turn out another Van Gogh. Possible, possible. (laughs) He needs a drink today, whoever that is needs a drink. Make sure you listen to Sally on the Way Home, all right? Okay. That's Dennis Stewart with Health Naturally back next Friday right here at 2NURFM 103.7.